super quick announcement before we begin. You know how podcasts are a one-way format where people talk and you listen? Not anymore. We've created a forum, uh, like a bulletin board with a sort of a Reddit kind of a feel for this podcast. If you have thoughts about anything you've heard on the show, you can now have chats with other folks and connect with a like-minded community. Go to forum.curiouscreatures.biz and create an account. Uh, and accounts are totally free, by the way. Uh, we'll put that link in the show notes, and we look forward to seeing you there. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on self-development and sexuality in Australia. My name is Rog. Today, I'm being interviewed by the crew from Off The Cuffs, which is a podcast with a focus on BDSM and the lifestyle around it. These folks are funny. I like them. Uh, the names are Dick Wound, Minimus Maximus, and Lectual Romance. Uh, the conversation covers one of my favourite topics, bum drumming, as well as uh, kinky scenes as a form of creative expression, the nuances of using safe words, and a bit about Curiosity, the sexuality event that I run. They've got a pretty casual, conversational sort of a style, and we start straight in without any warm-up. Uh, they've just asked me to talk about a time when things haven't gone as expected. <laughs> yeah, um, rookie mistake. Uh, just at the stage where I was getting into um, some fun play, and l- let me let me preface this by saying I have no interest in um, exposing members of the public to um, my sex life, um, <laughs> sure, <laughs> in, unless they've asked, asked very nicely. Right. But um, yeah, this one particular occasion, uh, myself and a friend had met in a city, um, like between our places. And uh, I was just having a lot of fun going through uh, sensory play. So I'd laid out on the bed a whole bunch of things that I thought might make for interesting sensory experiences. I'm talking about everything from the obvious stuff like chains and feathers through to like pine cones and food and flavors and smells and hot and cold sensations and whatever else. Mm. And I was just in the process of getting started and had tied this person classic sort of spread eagle to the four-poster bed um, with them facing up and I'd taken my clothes off and I was bouncing around the room with excitement and glee, um, clearly delighted with what was in front of me and all of the fun that I was about to have with that. Um, and I just like picked up the first couple of implements and started playing around a little bit. And then at one stage I go to check the window and – I'd had a look through the window before and it just didn't look like there was much or anything over there. But then on closer inspection, um, yeah, there was uh, a narrow alleyway and then it was the next, the window of the next apartment was just right there. And there was someone standing there with just this incredible expression and posture where like it looked like they looked comfortable and casual. It looked like they'd been there for quite a while. This was like, I don't know, like uh, sort of a – a substantially older person, I guess you'd say, uh, if that helps. And their expression on their face was just one of just curiosity and just like fascination and, and interest <laughs> as they watched me bouncing around the space. And so I just like shimmied over to them and sort of caught their eyes for just a moment and subtly 
Put the curtains across. <laughs> Had a laugh and went back to it. <laughs> Oops. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty yeah. cool that at least they just had a look of like curiosity. Curiosity, like, yeah. Standing there, like like you know, creepily. Uh, or although, I mean, that I guess could have added to the scene, but you know, I don't know. I was I I, I when you started telling it, I was thinking it was going to be some kind of like like creepy neighbor, like like standing there like sweating and just like like watching like touch like touching his face, like, ooh, like what are you doing in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was somewhere in the middle. They didn't look offended and hey, they could have like not looked or they could have shut their own curtain. Um, but nor was it, yeah, overly creepy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Welcome to episode number 228 of Off the Cuffs. My, I am Minimus Maximus. My name is Dick Wound. Is that what you were you going to say? My name is I Minimus Maximus. Wow. My name is Minimus Maximus. Okay, well, Maximus, I, yes. I did it for you. All right. Well, okay. I am Dick Wound still, as always. And right now, not down the hallway through a couple of sets of doors, but up the stairs and down a hallway through a completely new set of doors, <laughs> 16 hours away from our old house, in a different closet, <laughs> Lectual Romance. Yes, I'm back, <laughs> and I'm even more in the closet than ever. This closet is currently outfitted with the foam from a mattress topper, and <laughs> the door is actually shut, so I'm literally just sitting okay. crouched in a closet. All right. Yeah. How, how was your move? How's your new place in Michigan? Uh, it's like empty so far uh okay. the, yeah the move isn't fully done yet yeah our okay. stuff is on a truck uh right. somewhere <laughs> sure. on its way here uh but i in the abyss packed up old jess which is uh lexi's My rav four and uh i packed it up with uh the recording equipment and drove it uh in one shot 16 yep. hours got here Mm-hmm. And uh, then slept half the next day, yeah. <laughs> and then set up so that we could do this. Okay. So uh, yeah, here we are. The first, well, the first long distance off mm-hmm. the cuffs. Even though we've been kind of doing it long distance for a few yeah. months, um, yeah. you know, well, I mean, it wasn't really long distance, but it was remote. Mm-hmm. So right. But this anyway. is actual long distance remote. I'm going to get out there and visit you guys when it's safe to travel again. All right. We have a nice shed okay. for you to sleep in. That's great. <laughs> we've been we've been trying to bully uh, uh, the vanilla gimp into into moving out here and paying us uh, the rent money for the entire house just to live in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> it's too vanilla. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I don't think any other housekeeping. It's been it's been. Uh, you know, our lives have been have been have been a whirlwind yeah. for the past few weeks. There's not yeah. much yes. to announce. Yeah. Uh, we we probably got some stuff coming up soon, so we could just bounce right on into this interview. Bounce right into it. We could jump right okay. on into it. So, Roger. Wait, did we even say who the guest was? No. Ha! Oh my gosh. Wow, we look are at us. Mess. We take a week off from podcasting and we 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 completely fuck the dog here. Uh, also, we're joined tonight by Roger Butler. Hey gang. Hi. Hey. Sorry we forgot about you for a minute there. <laughs> we try we try to make all our guests feel welcome and uh, I feel like we failed right out of the gates. Yep. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a nice moment of silence and reflection at this end. Okay. Uh all right. So, getting right into it again. Roger or Raj. Can I can we, we're calling you Raj, right? Roger's great. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Raj. Would you be kind enough to give us and all of our listeners your radioactive spider bite into kink? Hmm. 
Um, it is such a great question. And uh, like the further back in time uh, I go with it, the more little spider bite moments I can find. Um, I've actually got like a couple that um, stand out, if that's all right. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, I, I think one just big breakthrough moment was the time I finally started identifying with the kink community and literally the first night I went to my first kink style event uh, and up until then I only had the perceptions about the community that I'd gotten from the mainstream which let's admit is you know not that flattering sure yeah same <laughs> and then when I wandered in and met a bunch of people and had a bunch of play um, just straight away going oh, these are my people this is my space yeah. <laughs> I this yeah. yeah yeah this is the thing um, so that was that was a great one in adulthood, and then just going back further and further into time, um, again, I mean further and further back. Um, I remembered a let's call it a scene uh, when I was eight years old <laughs> in uh, primary school in like grade two or whatever. Uh, when it was story time, myself and this other student in the room, we had this kind of ritual we would do where we would just. Uh, tickle each other's backs and I think like knowing now what I know about the way hormones and happy chemicals work I can see that we were just like working each other into a bit of a frenzy right um <laughs> but yeah we would just do think that thing and then sometimes it would extend to exposing our genitals to each other just sitting there in the classroom totally surreptitiously I think like without other students and without the other teacher noticing and it was just our game. So obviously at that age, you can't say that you're um, uh, really doing things with a whole lot of awareness nor like a part of a kink community. But I can see back there the elements of um, pushing taboos and just being a total slut, a hedonist. And <laughs> yeah, there's like a lot in that. I played yeah. a lot of doctor as a kid. <laughs> so, and we're away. <laughs> and yet yeah. you're afraid of needles and you won't sell your fucking plasma for me. Oh, like I just said, I said, listen, I didn't say absolutely not right. I said, hold, I said, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Let me wait for other partner to finish nursing school and maybe have her start stabbing me first. Right. Gotcha. Okay. I was trying to convince Lexi to sell her plasma. Right. He was like, you're going to make so much. He's just like, you make so much money. Sell your plasma. And I was like, really? <laughs> well, I was like, you make so much money and you'll get over your fear of needles. Like that. When, tr oh, yeah. So, yeah, it would be real good for me. That was like. Win, win. Well, yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, I, give me some time, peeps. I, it's not a hard no. It's just a not right now. Right. It's, it's a soft limit for the Soft moment. limit, right. Speaking of which, yeah. uh, uh, getting into to, to things around uh, uh, limits and, and safe words and whatnot. Uh, uh, Raj, we hear that you have a, uh, a fascinating practice with safe words for both in and out of kink. Yeah. It kind of transcends uh, kink scenes and sort of moves into actual like re relationship dynamics and such. I'd love to hear all about that. Mm, yeah. Um... Yeah, safe words for everything, I guess, is the um, summer summary version. Um, you know how, like, um, if you identify as human and you've been in relationships with other humans, then you probably know the experience of getting into a conflict that stopped being useful like a long time ago and you're just kind of trying to outsmart each other with snappy comebacks. Yes, and, like no no listening, let alone active reflective listening, uh, has happened for a long time. And oh, you've heard um, our show before. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a documentary. I learned everything I know from here. <laughs> um, so in those moments, um, like they're very dangerous for relationships. Like a lot of damage gets done there. And um, so, yeah, sometime back there I got onto the idea of uh, having like just the usual safe words effectively, green, orange and red or whatever for basically any situation ever. So with one particular partner, uh, this was a partner who was going through a um, uh, long-term cancer treatment process, which like for anyone that's done that, I was their kind of uh, primary carer. And going through that process, the medical system will from time to time rip you apart and put you in situations where you're just so frustrated and so tired and so angry and so confused. Mm. And that sometimes starts to want to play out in the relationship. So we used our safe word uh, a couple of times then and we've just got this little symbol we can make to each other without using our fingers. And it's just the same as any other time that red is called. Like the only thing that can happen at that point in time is that everything stops and you catch your breath, you do what you need to do to make the situation safe and you'll want to, you know, and and the same as when red is called in an ongoing relationship, you're going to want to debrief that and pick that apart and find out what was going on. And so, yeah, we have that just for our, our whole relationship time and um, it's a really useful mechanism. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. And like, yeah. that, I'm like, I'm like hearing you say it and I'm like, oh, that sounds really quite useful. Like, and, yes. and, you know, in my own, in my own life, I, yeah. <laughs> I should have some conversations to talk about maybe implementing things like this. <laughs> There's also like, I was, I was born in whatever they were, the, the seventies. Uh, that means that I was very impressionable with pop music when we were in the eighties. And I can't help from time to time sticking the 80s on, um, uh, you know, like around the house or whatever. And um, partners will sometimes be just like, Raj, I'm getting towards an orange on this 80s trash. (laughs) (laughs) One can only take so much synth pop. (laughs) I mean, that's what people tell me. I don't understand what they're talking about, but that's what I'm hearing from other people. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I'm kind of in the, I I think I'm more in your camp. I'm, I, 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 yeah. I've got a high pain <laughs> threshold when it comes to disco trash. <laughs> Oof. Oh, you just, just go all day. Yeah, you just you just you just turn Lexi on there. No. <laughs> yeah. Didn't didn't realize we were getting into dirty talk so quickly, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> Put a disco ball in my room. <laughs> Shit. No. That's what I want. <laughs> Babe, please. It'll keep me up at night if it's in the bedroom. I'm just going to stare at this thing. I already have a million thoughts running through my brain. And then they're going to be reflected off of a million little mirrors. Like, come on. No. I, I mean, yeah. You reflect the Dr. Mario off the fucking disco ball. Oh, forget it. I will never sleep. <laughs> Thank you for that image. <laughs> yeah, no, the, um, the, the safe words in real life, for lack of a better term. I love that idea. I'm going to start implementing that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start implementing that with you, Max. Okay. <laughs> I I found like like I run a bunch of workshops around this kind of stuff, and I like I've taught j- just green, orange, and red as a part of play to like maybe ten thousand people, and like w- I hear from people that they're taking it, they're, they're doing that, they're taking it into their lives. Uh, uh, I heard from like one couple who. <laughs> used it when they were going uh, to one of their family's houses for Christmas 
Uh, it's just at a certain mm. point in time, it's great to be able to safe word um, the family. <laughs> yeah. And um, mm-hmm. so, someone else taught it to their kids. And um, like the kids are doing that usual thing where they've got a cardboard box and they stick one of the kids in the cardboard box and proceed to like roll them around the backyard or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. there's just this like green, green, green mm. coming from inside the cardboard box. And eventually it turns to like an orange or a red and the kid, the other kids are all just like, yeah, cool. No worries. And they, you know, open up the box, get the <laughs> nice. kid out. The next kid goes in the box and it's green, green. <laughs> I want to be rolled around the yard in a cardboard box. That sounds great. <laughs> I wanted to be rolled around the yard yesterday and you wouldn't do it. So really, <laughs> I was like, let's get a kiddie pool. I hadn't. Okay. Oh. I had just mentioned we just moved. I hadn't showered in like three or four days. That's I right. I was like, throw yeah. me in a kiddie pool. I want all the roommates to like soap me up with like, you know, a car brush or something like that. Just like chugga, 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 spray me off. And our, our, we have, our, our yard is kind of on a downward incline. So just dump the pool out, roll me down the hill, let me dry off. Like, you know, <laughs> no one was into it. Like, I, I don't I know. I think what, what it was is that we figured you would just get covered in dirt again. Like they <laughs> yeah. rolled down a hill. I don't know. I thought it would have been fun. Yeah. And then I would have been green because I would have been covered in grass. <laughs> oh, my God. Bringing it around. Uh, green, green grass of home. <laughs> uh, uh, one thing also that I am uh, very curious to hear about, uh, I, I don't know how you pronounce it, uh, uh, but I believe it's uh, bum drumming. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's a bum drumming thing. How do you say yeah. <laughs> yeah, you say it like that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a funny little one. So, like, I'm a, I'm a deep green card-carrying hippie from way back in the day. Like, I'm a fully qualified hippie. And so part of that training obviously inc- includes sitting around at festivals playing, like, djembes and bongo drums and whatever else. And <laughs> one particular time uh, there was, like, a, I don't know, a bunch of drumming or something going on, and I was giving – someone a back massage and it just kind of turned into percussion um and that turned out to be a um plenty enjoyable experience for them and that was before i was really into kink and spanking and so then like fast forward 20 years uh and i've learned a few things about spanking and i i get that idea again to start playing with it and yeah it's just combining percussion with spanking um i had one particular person that i used to love that i I learned a lot of my early kink stuff from and we used to love performing this one together uh, at like clubs and festivals and stuff and we were called fanny and the pink and purple orchestra where (laughs) i was of course fanny and this person was the pink and purple orchestra uh and it's just um like my my favorite way of doing this is in a a really empty echoey warehouse space where every little sound including even just like slides of fingers on skin um can be heard really well and reverb for quite a while but otherwise like it's just a combination of the different sounds you can get with like stingy slappy sounds through to mm-hmm. um heavy doofy ones and then the different parts of the body uh, that you can use that on and you can get like quite a range of percussive sounds from that and I'm not saying I'm a I'm a great drummer but I'm I'm good enough to get by and I'm not a bad spanker so <laughs> um, it comes together well and it's like you, you start people slow it's like music there's like gentle gentle build up as you get into stuff and then like you find your groove and uh sometimes depending on where you hit and how hard you hit you can sometimes get a little bit of augmentation from the person you're playing with like the occasional scream so like a cymbal crash <laughs> i was actually about to ask if you use the bottoms reaction as part of the performance for lack of a better word you know as part of the 
you know, yeah. do you work that in at all? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And you can, um, uh, you can really fuck with the head of the person you're playing with because music, like it's very different to say like a corporal punishment or random surprise style of spanking where you sort of don't know what's coming when. Whereas w- right. when you're doing it musically, you can lull someone into a sense of security. And if you want to just give them a very meditative experience, then you can. Like they get the hang of the groove, the pace, the tempo. They get a sense of where you are and are not going to go based on whatever you discussed beforehand. But then if they're up for a sense of surprise, you can use the the, the rhythm and the intensity of what you're doing to, to lull them into a sense of security that they know what's coming up. And then you just like drop the beat for a couple of bars, but you're still just clicking your fingers <laughs> or you can just like totally mix it up and go absolutely like jungle beats on them for a couple of bars and then <laughs> bring it back to where you were. And yeah, the poor people, they get so confused. <laughs> no, it sounds great. You got to find a do, good... Do you... Go, Max. I was going to say, do you use instruments like drumsticks? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I don't necessarily mean drumsticks. I mean like you could use a set of canes, you know? Yes. Um, not so much for bum drumming, but like I, I do find that when I'm using canes and crops and floggers, I, I, I always fall back into like a predictable kind of a beat. I'm not much of a random player. Uh, yeah. That sounds, yeah, that sounds cool. It also sounds like a cool, like it feels like a type of objectification that's pretty fun too. Like it's yeah. not necessarily just like a, it's not a sexual objectification, more like a, you are my instrument now and I'm yeah. playing you. Yes. And I love that. Yes. Uh, yes. And it's like, hey, drum, take your pants down and bend over. Uh, <laughs> I, I need to play you now. Into it. I know I've heard complaints at parties where people have said the music was not, uh, the rhythm of the music was not conducive to play. Uh, <laughs> I know I've been to parties like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to make sure to put on a real banger. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <as> I, <laughs> I have to say the only the only thing that I'm disappointed in you in all of this that you've said so far is that you didn't use the name Neil Hurt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that. Really? He was the drummer for Rush and he had that like elaborate drum kit that yeah. had like Why 30 would I drums in it. Know that. Neil Pert? I don't know. I feel like that's a household name now. I mean, I guess if you're old. Wow. <laughs> did you never have like a libertarian boyfriend? <laughs> I No, I did. Oh, but I don't so? know. He listened to like 8-bit beats. <sighs> don't worry, Lexi. I don't own a single Rush record, so we're good. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Never have, never will. Do you enjoy three-minute bass solos? No. There you go, then. You would not enjoy the music of Rush. Not unless I'm sitting on the subwoofer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like I should have taken one of those little meditation pillows because my bottom hurts. I couldn't even fit the husband pillow in here. Oh. So it's just my butt on uh, Rhonda, actually. Sorry. You're sitting on Rhonda? Yeah, it was the nearest pillow I could find. What the fuck? (laughs) How would you feel if, if, if one of my other partners sat on you? I mean, depends. Your pillow is one of your partners? I can't even, I don't even know where, Maybe I don't even know. You have to explain your relationship I'm with not, this pillow. I'm, I don't I'm even know how judging. to begin to explain this. It's not real. No, uh, oh God. I, I don't need to know, but I would welcome the explanation if it needs to be yes, made. Yes, exactly. All right. He named his pillow. So when, when, when Gwen and I were long distance partners and we would have our date nights and we would have our Skype dates, we would fall asleep with each other on over Skype, like just kind of like, you know, like, and we would be cuddling pillows. So then at a certain, it just escalated at a certain point. Like she sent me like a, a, a dirty shirt 
and 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 you know things and this and that. And I put the shirt like as a joke on the pillow, and I was like, "This is Rhonda." Like it was just like a dumb thing, but right. then it stuck. And then she had Walter, and I had Rhonda, and it just was like there's these pillows that we cuddled with that like. And and I've been acting like precious about Rhonda, and anytime Lexi like puts Rhonda somewhere where it's like dumb i'm like don't do that to Rhonda. it's like a dumb joke i can't even believe i'm explaining this on air like, wow. <laughs> like <laughs> well, you don't have to i mean you can cut it out i don't know how compelling uh, a tale it will be but we'll we'll see <laughs> we'll see upon editing <laughs> i'm roger butler And in addition to producing this podcast and running Curious Creatures, I also offer counselling via video and in person in Melbourne, Australia. We all need help from time to time. And even when we're travelling well, most of us still have a desire to get to know ourselves better, including where we stand in relation to the world and how we relate to other people. There's an assumption that we should somehow already be great at life, despite not generally being given all of the necessary skills. And I think that finding the right counsellor can go a long way towards helping us to learn those skills. I offer counselling in a variety of areas for singles and those in relationships and with obvious specialisations in the things you hear me talking about on this podcast. To find out more, check out counselling.curiouscreatures.biz or check the show notes. And now back to the podcast. Oh, it's too bad you're not a bottom. You could be Peg White. No. Sorry, what? No, that's that's not that's not happening. It's not as good yeah. as Neil Hurt. I'll admit that. I missed that one. Was that supposed to be a joke? <laughs> Meg White. Meg White from the White Stripes. Yeah. So he'd be Peg White. Yeah. It was a stretch, but I couldn't think. Like I'm looking through a list of drummers. Going, that wasn't a fucking stretch. It was a goddamn pulled muscle. Okay. Jesus. I feel like we need our Friday night our Friday night <laughs> munch crew. We need like a we need them to be lined up with like signs yeah. like with the like numbers just mm-hmm. to. To grade it. Right. That would be like negative 11. Wow. <laughs> sorry. Wow. I'm not sorry. Max, you should be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another thing I wanted to kind of kind of ask you about was uh, role plays. Because I hear you do some like really elaborate like 10 plus person like. Yes. Role plays. Like. like wow. Yeah, lay was, that on us. <laughs> yeah, I was interested in this as well. Um, yeah, that is, um, yes, that is such a um, delightful joy of mine. Um, creative, weird role play uh, that takes like months and months to organize uh, and get all the people and the ingredients lined up for. Um, often, like it's mostly about the, the psychology and the, the preparation uh, of it as much as anything else because you yeah. know like role plays or like everything you do that can be hit and miss but um, I always enjoy the preparation sure I guess like maybe I've got an example can I can I describe using an example oh please yeah def low and slow say it low and slow <laughs> <laughs> so I was sitting in the bath drinking wine with a partner one night <laughs> nice <laughs> and we were just kind of riffing we are just like we'd, we'd done a big a big scene recently and so we were just bouncing around ideas of like what we were into and what we would like to do with each other and we were arriving at the themes of sort of me as a top sort of farming them out or something like that um, and them wanting to experience um, being uh, an object 
And we're trying to work out how to build that into, like, like include a bunch of uh, people from the slut army into that scene. So the slut army is the army of people you can bring into a scene uh, in the event of an emergency or when you just need to, like, you know, bulk up the numbers or something. Mm-hmm. And so we're just going through our list of people and what we wound up coming up with was um, an auction scene. And so I sort of started to take over uh, the planning of it from there because admin is also a bit of a fetish of mine, fortunately. (laughs) 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 And so I sent out an invite to uh, like, I don't know, a dozen friends um, and I I used that to set the scene of it sort of being like a 17th or 18th century um, uh, bespoke upper class kind of auction house situation. And I was so happy with the work that all of my colleagues had done uh, on the team that I was going to reward them uh, by letting them bid on this very special piece of artwork that I'd scoured the earth for. And so in that email, I kind of outlined a little bit of what was going to go on on the day and also made it really clear where all of their sort of opt-in and opt-out points were because, like, you, you can never tell what sort of mood or state someone's going to be in in, like, three months' time when the scene goes ahead and you never know where sure. their relationships are going to be and, like, what they're going to be allowed to do in the way of play and so forth. So really important for me is just, like, a whole bunch of um, – I think it's better to make the assumption that everyone's going to want to opt out and then um, – regarded as a bonus when people are able to be actively involved rather than setting a scene up where it hinges on everyone being involved because invariably not everyone's in the, in the right mood or the right state or the, or the right relationship uh, when you get to the thing. So, yeah, it's nicer if things can proceed regardless. Mm. And, yeah, a couple of other details, like I, you know, made it mandatory that everyone regales themselves in their finest threads just to keep me entertained and obviously like RSVP. Yeah. So then on the day, um, in the, the warehouse space that I have access to, we, uh, the, the partner I was doing this with and myself, we spent the afternoon setting it up so it looked like some kind of, yeah, like, I don't know, 19th century auction house, whatever that would look like. And when people arrived, I sort of sat them down, uh, gave a nice whiskey to those that wanted it and started just a little kind of a conversational game with people because not everyone from that particular slut army uh, knew each other. So just a little bit of like, you know, establishing some trust and safety, but all of it done in role. Uh, And then it was time to do the big reveal and uh, the entire time I'd had the object, uh, my partner, uh, was um, on this little podium platform on wheels behind a curtain and so (laughs) the audience didn't realise that that they'd been there the entire time. So I pulled the curtain back, did the big reveal and then went through a process of demonstrating the uh, what I thought were the features and the attributes that obviously got quite um, adventurous and interesting. And I had encouraged people uh, via the email, via the invite, I'd encourage people to think of, um, like I'd made it clear that what I was auctioning off was a human that they were going to be able to bid on and possibly play with. Um, and I'd made it clear that I wanted them to submit questions and I even planted a couple of questions And so, like, this was a couple of years ago, but they were saying things like, well, but yes, but how do we know that the object has got structural fortitude where it's needed most? Uh, And so I'd be like, well, that's a very fair question. So I'd put a speculum up the objects, uh, up their vagina and give everyone a torch and just say, have a great look, you know, check that out and make sure that's, um, make sure that's got the structural integrity you were looking for. (laughs) And, (laughs) And another question was like, well, well, yes, but 
um, you know, how, how do we know that um, she's going to make uh, a, a, like serve as an emergency mixer uh, if the situation arises? So I got her to pee into a cup and mixed it with a little Frangelico, uh-huh. um, enjoyed some myself and offered it to anyone else in the group if they wanted it. So all of this was like beautiful little points of opt-in where if people wanted to get like more involved in things at that kind of level, they could, but otherwise they could just sit back and be very entertained. Nice. So we went through a whole bunch of that. You know, some people need Needed to sound what needed to know what the object sounds like uh, when it's in pleasure and <laughs> and what it sounds like in pain and and a few other very very reasonable questions um, and then at the end of that um, everyone that was there was able to bid um, on uh, they needed to state what they wanted to do with the object if they won and they also needed to state what bribes they were going to give me. Um, as, as part of the bidding <laughs> process, uh, they could also indicate if they were just making a, a joke bid uh, and didn't really actually want to win because, um, yeah, again, giving people the opt-out. So we had a little break and me and the object in question, uh, we went through all the bids because, you know, like consent, um, we needed to sort of work out uh, what would work well for the object and what wouldn't. And then, yeah, when everyone came back, we um, I read out the the various bids, which were just hilarious, and then announced the winner, which was this kind of um, elaborate, um, I guess just a food play scene is what you'd say from like like a, a couple uh, bidded for that um, like jointly. And so we had a, a massive uh, sheet um, hung up that sort of sectioned off one half of the warehouse space, but we lit it um, very well from behind so that the audience that was left that didn't win the bid and myself, we could see and we could hear everything that was happening in silhouette. Uh, and it was just hilarious to watch. And while that was going on, we were all playing uh, Truth Dare, uh, which, which was also entertaining. So sort of, you know, everyone everyone got a little bit of whatever. And it was just, um, yeah, it was just wild. Like it went for about three or four hours and then afterwards we all stayed around to properly debrief and enjoy a little more of that whiskey. And it just felt for me, um, it was a it was a gift to my partner uh, to to like organise something that elaborate for them. It was a gift for myself because I loved the creativity. Um, I got quite a few people laid that night, so that's always fun. And like getting getting your partner laid, that's also a fetish of mine. <laughs> nice. And it was just entertaining and silly and hilarious and occasionally serious, but mostly hilarious. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's an example of what what I think of as a creative kind of a scene. It, it feels like art and play and music and creativity when it goes well. Nice. I like the the, the auction aspect of that in particular. Mm-hmm. What do you like about it? Uh, well, just like the... I like that it's something different. Like it's, you know, I mean, I don't want to say that these are bad role plays because, you know, if, if you're happy and the partners, if, if everybody's happy, um, I'm just saying that we hear things like, I don't know, Boston Secretary or family role plays or pet plays all the time. We don't hear about things like 18th century auctioneer. <laughs> um, you know? Well, what I like about it is, especially if it's like, you know, I mean, of course, like. But, you know, I also love the humiliation aspect behind it, you know. Are you going to let me finish the sentence, Max, or no? Yes, Are you sure? Can I go now? Yes. Yes. Okay, I have your permission. I have your permission? Uh, Yes. Thanks, boss. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, what I was going to say is Mm -hmm. I really like there's like this element of unknown 
how the scene's going to play out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, uh, like if you're do- setting it up like an actual auction where it's like, oh, like, you know, you're going to like, okay, like, you know, at the end of the night, you're going to get to play with one of 10 people that you would play with anyway, but like, you don't know who, you don't know what you're going to like, you know? And like, if that's yeah. like, it's set up in a way where like, it's like that, like, I would be fascinated to do something like that, like, and be like, you know, auctioned off to be like, oh, this person, you know, if you end up with this person, you're going to end up, uh, I don't know, getting like tickled. And if you end up with this person, you end up getting pissed on and like, whatever, you know, right. like whatever the thing is, like, I mean, and again, of course, you know, ultimately like, but like, you don't know exactly how it's going to shake out. And I think that that's really fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like a level of like surprise and excitement that's can be hard mm-hmm. to replicate in like a lot of like, you know, uh, negotiated scenes. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fucking fun. Yeah. And and I like uh, something that frees me up in scenes like that is I think one of the mistakes I made earlier on in the piece doing like smaller scale scenes was like you, you get in your mind a bit of an idea of where you want things to go and let, let's say that's like a really high energy thing with a whole lot of erotic energy. Um, that's all well and good and sometimes things go there. But what happens if um, the person you're doing the scene with, you know, like they've possibly lost their job that week and their cat died, um, the scene's not going to take that direction. And it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't do the scene. It just means like I know now you should just check in beforehand, check what kind of state you're in and where you want to go and adjust. Uh, so I think like my my earlier stuff-ups were often around continuing to try and push a scene in a particular direction, whatever that was. Uh, And these days I like to think I'm a little bit better at designing scenes that don't require people to be in particular states and also a little bit better at spotting when the mood or the shift or the the dynamic changes. Yeah. Um, Do you have any like experience in theater or you're like into theater because that's really what it sounds like it sounds like an interactive theater except with perverts <laughs> <laughs> which is like great oh yeah thank you lexi you've <laughs> you've got my number um that, yeah no no I don't. <laughs> o- outside of the kink environment i have no theatrical experience except for like you know high school drama um yeah no but it is it does feel like that i i really like the the performance element of it mm-hmm. and i really like um, wooing and seducing um, like a whole group of people uh, into a scene like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, well, totally yeah. a performer. <laughs> I do. I mean, like there's a certain level of like, I, I know there's people who like perform kink and it's a lot of like, there's a lot of like, you know, like performance, like voyeuristic type of kink. But what I like about this, it feels like the difference between like a stage show and like an interactive, like sleep no more type of like, you're part of the thing. Kind of behind closed doors too. Like it's, you know, 10 people are doing it. 10 people are doing it like yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah like a murder mystery kind of dinner where like you're gonna well, get to maybe figure out whatever or beat yeah. the shit out of someone even makes it for, feel more exclusive and like or, or like 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 oh like you're you're coming you you're invited to this to this yeah this wrong yeah. thing like mm-hmm. you know this little get together like yeah. i like that too yeah it's like live theater and um you, you remind me of another scene this was uh like a, a friend of mine did um, they were working through their religious upbringing and their Bible issues. And so they wanted to do a sort of a Bible-themed games night. And when we arrived, they broke us into two groups of five people and they'd already put post-it notes uh, in the Bible for um, particular sections that they thought might be interesting. 
And the structure of the night was that um, each group took it in turns. We were we had to pick at random one of these phrases from the Bible, and then we had a couple of minutes as a group to turn it into a scene of some description hmm. that we would then enact out for the entertainment <laughs> of the other side. And like. Needless to say, oh, my God, there was so much wrong, wrong, profoundly wrong stuff going on there. It was so great. Um, I remember there was this one particular uh, scene as a part of that. Um, My group got um, the Noah's Ark flood scene. And what we wound up doing was there was a nun sitting on the couch, a a female-bodied person, a nun sitting on the couch, and there was a priest next to her with a magic wand on her um, genitals as she was reading that particular phrase from the Bible. And then there were three parishioners. Uh, I was one of them down on the ground. And right at the moment of the flood, she squirted and anointed all of us with the flooding waters uh, from the Bible. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this little girl on. just had an orgasm. She doesn't know why. This <laughs> <laughs> is just like such creative, weird, stupid delightful live theatre art play. You're right. It really has that feeling of just like private yeah. behind closed doors um, plays. Gorgeous. Love I it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's why, that's the type of shit that makes me so excited about Kingsters in general is like taking shit up enough to like this level of weirdness and just like that, like it, it takes like play to a new level. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just fun as shit. Yeah. I, I've noticed that like even in just two people scenes, you know, two person scenes, I find it a lot more satisfying if there's some form of planning, you know, I don't have to be involved in all the planning, you know, top leads the scene. Sure. But just if there's some sort of planning, I feel a lot more, uh, it's, I think it's a better experience for, for both people involved. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've like gone that on a bigger scale. Yeah. I've, I've gone a, yeah. a pretty long way down that path. Um, I've, created these little things called consent cards, like having, I I was a sex worker for uh, like a bunch of time back there uh, and doing a little bit of um, let's say pro kink work or something. And even, even with like a pretty good level of experience, I was always finding I'd get into the middle of a scene and I'd forgotten to ask about something beforehand. So I created these sweet little consent cards, which have got like most of the questions that need to be asked. And first Mm. I thought of them as just mostly like a practical uh, kind of a tool, um, but I've since learned that just even spending just a couple of minutes um, having a chat about, so what do you want to get out of this scene? What's interesting about it for you? Obviously, what are our limits? Um, that sort of thing. Um, it just gets you a much better chance of having the activity uh, go to where you want it to go, like play to the themes you want it to play to, uh, yeah. less likely to fuck up and make mistakes. Um, you know, we all make mistakes, but if we, if we can minimise them, all the better. So, yeah, I'm a long way down the path of um, talk about things first. So, like, you know, yeah, plan things first. Yeah, I was actually going to kind of move into that next, uh, now that you mentioned the uh, consent cards, because that that is, or unless I'm mistaken, that is part of the... Uh, Curious creatures, uh, business model, or am I am I wrong there? Uh, it's a very small part. Like uh, we 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 list them just basically at the cost it takes us to sort of like produce them and stick them in the post. Uh, yeah. So they're they're more like a part of our they're more up the community service uh, end of the business. Right. 
Um, oh, I didn't mean like as like a source of it. I just meant like I just meant like that's one of the things <laughs> that that curious creatures because there's like classes and sex parties yeah. and other things. But yeah. I thought that the consent card thing was was kind of lumped into that too. I didn't. Oh, I was yeah, yeah, thinking yeah. you were like sustaining a business off of that. Like, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now that we're on the same page, I would like to change my answer. Uh, my answer is yes. <laughs> um, Perfect. <laughs> like I think the main thing that I, that I teach is. Um, communication skills and the psychology skills and the, the, like the background meta skills uh, that you need between people to have things go well. Like I have a couple of bits of play that I do to a, you know, let's say a reasonably advanced level or something like that. But for the most part, I just adore the process of um, uh, newbies or people that have been in the scene for a while, but who are just like, you know, uh, uh, things aren't always working out as well as they could be. Uh, I just love teaching um, that background stuff. And I also find um, like if I look at say the sex party that I run and it's like, that's, it's not really fair to call it a sex party, but um, let's say um, all of the emphasis there for me is on all of the daggy clunky safety stuff, like communication skills, safety, how exactly safe words work, what expectations and protocols I have for people when they're at that event. Uh, there's absolutely nothing in there on like how to be sexy and how to be kinky. And um, that stuff all just unfolds naturally by itself. Like right. it's the most yeah. adventurous, <laughs> weird, delightful, quirky, kinky party um, of a bunch of dags having the most gloriously creative time. Um, but the event itself doesn't have any particular emphasis on that training and doesn't do much to specifically encourage. It just sort of, yeah, it talks about consent cards and safe words and working out how to spot those signals within yourself of when you're into something and when you're not into something and how to communicate that. So, like, it's pretty daggy from one perspective, but it's wild from another perspective. All right, before we go on, for us dumb Americans, what is daggy? Yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I started Googling that. <laughs> um, okay, this is one of those beautifully complicated things. So as <laughs> someone that's not heavily in American culture myself, I don't know if there's a direct comparison, but I guess in, in, in the Australian context, you've got your cool people and then you've got your daggy people and – Bear in mind, I absolutely identify as a dag. I'm so daggy. I can't, I don't have the energy and can't be bothered being a cool person. It's not my scene. Um, so yeah, daggy's like the rest of us. Daggy's often quite dorky or nerdy perhaps, uh, or just, okay. just people that don't have the latest clothing. Do you want the, uh, like the Wikipedia Real yeah. quick, yeah. Okay, it says uh, "dag" is an uh, is an Australian and New Zealand uh, slang term, also "daggy" adjective and "dagging" verb to behave in a daggy way. Uh, in Australia, <laughs> it is often used as an inf uh, as an inf affectionate insult for someone who is or is perceived to be unfashionable, lacking self consciousness about their appearance and or. Uh, with poor social skills, yet affable and no. amusing. Geek. It's geek. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Like a nerd. Yeah. Fair. Geek. Yeah. Could you just yeah. like patch that into the start and that can be the intro to me? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dick, cut this out. <laughs> Did you know you can now take some of our workshops online anytime you want in the privacy of your own home from anywhere in the world? We here at Curious Creatures have been, quote, nearly ready, 
unquote, to offer pre-recorded workshops for about five years, but it was the pandemic that gave us that little extra bit of motivation we needed. So as from October 2020, we've got three of our workshops available, with more to follow soon. The first is Fun Little Sex Games for Couples, which is a whole bunch of individual activities designed to get you more of exactly the type of touch and play that you like. The other two workshops are Pleasuring the Penis and Pleasuring the Vulva. The titles here pretty accurately describe the workshops. They are the very hands-on skills that everyone should receive, but almost no one does. Tess, the presenter, takes you through 18 different ways to pleasure the genitals. Coming soon, and perhaps by the time you hear this, we will have a workshop on self-pleasure, a workshop on pleasuring the anus, one on our psychological workshops on conflict resolution, and a huge how-to workshop on non-monogamy. You can check them all out at curiouscreatures.biz under the heading Pre-Recorded Workshops. And now back to the podcast. All right. So one thing, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about also was um, uh, the the sex parties. Uh, uh, you do them with like a like a like a big class beforehand. It's like a, like a, I'm assuming like an educational uh, uh, event before the sex party, and then and then it it's like followed up with like a uh, like a debriefing. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that whole like process and what that's all about. <laughs> yeah. So it is a whole process. There's no question about that. Um, it's, it's a, it's a long way from, um, yeah, just like sort of turning up anonymously and publicly and randomly to a, to a sex party and then disappearing. Um, it came about because, um, sitting around thinking about the sort of values that are important to us in a sex party. Uh, so obviously consent is something that ruins a lot of otherwise good sex parties, uh, sex positivity and kink positivity, uh, body positivity. So something that's for all the people um, and gender diversity. So, so a couple of other themes like that. Um, myself and a friend were, were just like sitting around or I was having a, a real think about it and um it's one thing, you, you can't just put that on the flyer and assume that everyone's going to turn up with those values having done their inner work around it. So like, it, was, it took a bit of gall uh, to say, right, everyone that comes to this particular sex party has to first do this five-hour workshop, this five-hour training uh, in our protocol and expectations, um, what we mean when we say um, – uh, diversity of, of body types, genders, gender attractions, and everything else. Um, here's how we do safety. Uh, when we say safe words are for everything, this is what we mean. And so really put people, uh, putting people through some practice drills around that stuff, so creating uh, exercises and activities in the workshop where people have to get hands-on practice in using those tools. So it's almost like a, almost like a qualifying thing. Uh, it's also a filtering thing because people who aren't genuinely interested in those sorts of skills and that sort of conduct are just like, you know, they're not going to put themselves through a <laughs> grueling five-hour expensive workshop. <laughs> so what it means is that everyone arrives at the party with the same expectations and there's so much more in the way of safety and opportunity. And so, yeah, as I said before, what actually then happens at the party is um, a lot. So whereas normally when I go to other events, and I don't mean this critically, but 
it's typical that you'll have like 80 or 90% of people standing around and, you know, maybe 10% of people playing um, at this particular party. It's called Curiosity. Um, it, the, the ratio is pretty much the reverse. Uh, so people will often do a scene that needs, say, input from the public, like say it's their birthday, they're lying on the massage table, they want people to come and give them sensory experiences, they want to be blindfolded, um, they've got someone standing next to them just, you know, keeping an eye on safety and boundaries and stuff. Um, and they'll, they'll put out to the room, uh, we wander around with whiteboards advertising scenes like this, and um, they'll be looking for people to come and, you know, like fill them up or whatever, and no one's available because everyone's already in a scene. <laughs> so the rich people's problems all over the place. <laughs> um, so that goes on. That's like a, a three and a half hour party. And then, yes, um, the first time a person comes to a party, um, they must come back to a debrief the next day where we help them to interpret and contextualize what they've seen. So if you imagine someone's new to kink and they've seen their first like uh, lovingly violent takedown scene, or if they're just like new to their own body and sexuality and suddenly they found themselves in a whole variety of different situations with people. Um, and, you know, we suggest that people take it a lot slower than that. But, um, yeah, when people are taking those first steps, they have a lot of processing going on internally, a lot of reactions, um, sometimes shame, often a lot of celebration. And so, yeah, we provide a debrief space uh, to sort of capture that and round it out a bit. And then once nice. a person's gone through that whole process of workshop, party, debrief, they can just keep on coming back to just the party component okay. and they can come back to the debrief as much as they want. So, yeah, we normally get like, um, you know, back in the days before there was a pandemic, <laughs> we'd normally get like <laughs> 35 people each month coming through the workshop and the party itself was getting up to about 150 people. We were just getting to the point of needing to split that into two parties. Oh, wow. Um, Obviously, now all we have is a wistful look in our eyes and memories of a life that used to be. Mm, mm -hmm. That was so beautifully sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a wild experiment. I mean, I know that um, some clubs and communities are doing more in the way of uh, some of that communication and, and expectation setting staff and some kink clubs have got uh, at least like an orientation or something. But yeah, this one's like, it's pretty wild. It's pretty weird. It's pretty unusual. That's a really nice model, though. I, it sounds really yeah. cool. I wish it was something we could, like, you know, go and try because that sounds, like, really nice. I mean, here on Long Island, we did do something similar with 101 where Magic Rocks wouldn't let you go to a, a party at Rancor without attending 101. Yeah. Nice. It's just different levels of, like, vetting and education. Yeah. yeah. It's become quite the um, quite the community. Like, there's, there's quite the culture and community has developed around that event. Uh, so sure. while well, there's like 150 people each month, there's probably a couple of thousand people that have been through that training. And so there's so many other events that are attached off the side where like it's a requirement that people have done that training. Uh, and, and again, there's a whole bunch of daggy stuff. Like there's a book club, there's a bushwalking club, uh, and obviously there's a whole <laughs> bunch of like kinky and sex opportunities. Um, yeah, but it's a real, it's a real community experience. Nice. I really like that you offer the <laughs> reflection afterwards too. Like yeah. that's, that just sounds like such a cool thing. Uh, uh, and, and like, you know, making it mandatory like the first time, like cool. But then I like that it's something that like people can opt into uh, always after too. Yeah. Well, so. most of my training is in counseling and um, facilitation of groups. So nice. yeah, a lot of what I do, it's got that sort of psychology uh, bent to it. So the debrief is just in some ways, it's just duty of care. 
Uh, in other ways, sure. it's just um, you could look at it as good uh, practice for the event because um, it's more likely to leave people in a uh, intact and stable kind of a state. Um, but yeah, like mostly, yeah, mostly it's just out of my concern for doing the right thing by the individuals that go through because there's a lot of stuff in play, sex, gender, body image, kink, there's trauma. There's just, yeah, there's a lot in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you said before, you're kind of a hippie. Also, Mm -hmm. you're kind of a a psychologist, whatever. Like, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, You're like, of course you do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's very fair. Uh, No, I love it. I think it's a great idea. Seriously. (laughs) Um, uh, Max, you want to move into some of the uh, listener questions? Sure. Okay, the first question is from friend of the show, Harley Wilson, who says, spanking as percussion. Do you play the ass more like bongos or have you had multiple asses around you like a big drum set? Inquiring minds want to know. A couple of times I've tried having uh, a a couple of humans, uh, so four bum cheeks to choose from and a couple of cracks. Uh, Mostly I prefer doing it just uh, one-on-one because it's um, like it's a lot. There's a lot of connection and engagement between me and the drum um, and it's it's hard to to keep a track of where two drums are at. <laughs> okay, this is from Gendu, who says, this isn't so much a question as it is a request. Can you cut a sample of the spanking performance into the show? Just curious as to how it sounds. Very interesting. <laughs> um, we'd love to. It's not super easy with the combination of microphones and stuff, but um, uh, I guess I would say that you can get a wide diversity of sounds out of a person with like yeah from from um from thin slappy sounds through to thuddy thick sounds and then most of what like cup your hand in a certain way and if you've got a very deeply cupped hand you get a deeper sound a a shallow cupped hand gives a lighter sound and then um some people have really advantageous cracks either between their thighs or between their bums or their genitals (laughs) and if you get the cup in just the right way you can get a really chunky doofy sound lovely Uh, friend of the show, Emolga says, is there a specific program you use to organize 10 plus people role plays such as discord or do y'all just have a very long group text going? Hmm. Seems like a lot of logistics to handle for a scene. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, fortunately I do like a little bit of admin as a joke. It's a fetish. That's only a half joke. Uh, I do (laughs) sometimes use spreadsheets to coordinate scenes like that if there's a lot going on. Uh, Otherwise, it's a question of being a very assertive, boundaryful top or dom from the get-go and bearing in mind I'm topping the entire group. So if I'm coordinating 12 people and I say, here's the scene, I need you to get back to me by the end of Thursday with your answer, then I need to stand really firmly by that boundary. And the people that get invited to my play, they know that they need to put out when it comes to admin skills, like they need to get back to them emails. <laughs> they need to be clear <laughs> and concise. And if I've asked them five questions, they need to give me five answers. So they just know that. <laughs> and it makes yeah. the, um, makes the admin a lot easier. Right. I got very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, know quite a few sluts for spreadsheets. I'll tell you yep, what, you're true. not the yep. first. I'll show you my formula if you show me yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is from friend of the show, Mud is Life, 
who says, I'm actually a drummer, so I think this is brilliant. Have you ever played a whole song on someone? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I did this a little bit as a, sort of a sex worker or just as an experience where someone like gives, gives someone an entire hour and it's not so much a question of playing a song. There's no chance that I could play something on someone's body and it would be recognized as any kind of a song. <laughs> but the little, the little DJ part of me likes to line up an hour of music, which is sort of, you know, like warm up and then building towards a couple of peaks or whatever, and then settles down into cool down territory. And just over the course of an entire hour, um, play someone to music. Um, I, I think I slightly prefer just being completely quiet and empty in um, a in an echoey space or dungeon or whatever. Um, but yeah, playing to other people's music can be fun. I would imagine Wipeout would be a good song. Or anything with a good country role. Like I would like, 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 like either, either surf rock or a good country role. Yeah, I was going like, to say, oh, Lexi would yes. probably appreciate the surf rock. Of, yeah. Like, yeah. Of know. course. Beat my ass to surf rock. <laughs> Hell yeah. Maybe having quite an average weekend. It, it can be nice using really ironic music as well. Like classical or like the wind Eagles or <laughs> oh no, fucking with people's heads. <laughs> Amazing. Or the music from a Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, this is from friend of the show Sissy Millie, who says, "Do you prefer triplets or quarter notes?" I personally like six tuplets. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, fucking rock and roll there. <laughs> that is my answer. <laughs> this is from the friend of the show, the Mad Villain, who says. Uh, what do you have to say to those who say they don't need safe words? I could never see myself playing without safe words, but I see it on FetLife all the time. Oh, big topic. Um, juicy topic. Um, I think, I think that's a perspective you can hold until you fuck up really badly and you realize that safe words would have been the solution. I think... Safe words in, in, in longer term ongoing relationships, particularly ones that are heavier into a uh, power exchange dynamic, I think even if they're not using safe words, um, effectively there is always a safe word in place, which is that if things go too far off the rails, then someone's going to leave that relationship. So it's a pretty extreme safe word to have to use, but it's always there. Um but otherwise, like zooming back to the way most people play, uh, I think if you are um, if you're playing with someone who's going to be topping or doming, and they say that they don't need to use safe words, uh, no one should be that confident. Like no one should think that they are that skillful and have that capacity to read another person. Uh, and it's possibly a situation where they are effectively giving themselves the quote, permission, unquote, to do whatever they want, regardless of whether it's good for you. Or oh, there right. might be like an element of that. So that's the risk of a top or a dom that doesn't want to play with safe words. And the risk with a bottom who doesn't want to play with safe words is that the mood or the dynamic will change in an instant and you won't notice it. And the other person will look back as if to say, what the fuck are you doing? And where did you get it into your head? that that abuse was going to be appropriate. Uh, whereas if there was just a safe word in place, you avoid that situation. So I think no matter where you are in that mix of things, uh, and I guess um, if you feel like you're dealing with someone who's just like a little bit egotistical and sees that using safe words is 
uh, like a criticism or something like that. Um, I think um, perhaps if it, if someone really is genuinely skillful, then it's fair and reasonable that you might have an agreement in place that safe words are there. But if you never use them, like if you get through three hours of play or three months of play and you've ne- never used a safe word, then, then that's well and good. Uh, the moment and the exchange and the dynamic hasn't been ruined by the fact that you've still got safe words in the background, but you avoid all of the other pitfalls. Yeah. God, there's so much I could say about this topic. It's, so, <laughs> it's such a one of passion for me. I, I guess um, I see a lot of people coming through into my workshops who um, are picking up the pieces of their damaged self, uh, particularly people who are new to the world of kink and got into a relationship with someone who was sort of teaching them and who didn't think safe words were necessary. And then they wind up in quite a damaged, difficult spot with a really twisted perspective on what kink and BDSM actually is. So yeah, I guess, I guess my perspective is informed by that a bit. All right. This is from Ragdoll who says, Ooh, a spanking performance piece. Now I have a mental image of a kinky blue man group and I dig it. <laughs> now, Max, 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 yeah. before you go on, have you like just full on leaned like four feet away from the microphone? Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me hear. How's that? That's <laughs> much better. Way better. <laughs> okay. Here he is. All right. This is from Ragdoll who says, Ooh, a spanking performance piece. Now I have a mental image of a kinky blue man group and I dig it. Now for the questions. Since there's some overlap between nerdy and kinky activities, have you also LARPed either with your roleplay group or in general? Also, what's your favorite safe word that you've heard or used personally? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm not well up on LARPed culture, so I might need a little explainer on that one. Um, favorite safe word, so like I just generally always go with green, orange, and red, but if something is in scene... Um, yeah, I love picking something uh, <laughs> <that's>, um, uh, <laughs> I'm just laughing because at some stage back there I did a Star Trek-related scene and the safe word was the warp nacelles. And if anyone, anytime anyone said anything about the warp nacelles, we knew that there was a problem. <laughs> um, another one I've used a fair bit, like as a, as a support to other sex workers or in my own sex work or just when someone's out having a date, uh, I've used curtains a fair bit. So you do like a safety check-in call 10 minutes into the date or session or whatever else. Um, and sometimes you're not always free to, uh, like if you're on a date with someone who you don't trust for whatever reason or in a situation you don't trust, you can't actually out loud say, mm, I don't trust this person or this situation. So I've had the word... Um, I'm going to substitute the one we use for something else. Uh, so I've had curtains in place a few times. So I was like, yeah, everything's fine. No dramas. Going well here. Looking forward to it. Um, I can't help thinking that you need to fix the curtains at some stage. Sorry, I forgot to say that to you before. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm going to get back to this now. Thanks for calling. And you just know that since the word curtains was used, that things are not good. So you engage whatever safeties you've got in place. I also like that because of the, the saying like, it's curtains means like it's yeah. done, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, LARP culture, by the way, is live action role play. Which I think <sighs> that like all kink scenes that are role plays would imply the live action yes. part. I think what Ragdoll is asking though is like if you ever played live action D&D or Vampire the Masquerade or something like that. Right. 
No, not so much. What I know of that world, I know I like it. Yeah, it sounds really super fun to me. And yes, I totally get the connection. The way people speak about yeah. D&D and what they get out of that feels very much like what I get out of kink scenes. So yeah, big yes. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, we got one from friend of the show, Herpaderp, who says, what would you say is the most bizarre but yet most complex scene you have done to date? Is there anything you're wanting to try that is currently unavailable to you at this time? <laughs> Um, I'd have to say, uh, like, 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 yeah, like probably the one we were speaking about before, like has to be up there, the complexity of that auction scene, just how many nuances and dynamics and people's wants were able to be met in a good way by that scene. So, so I think that's my proper answer, but my, my, my second place answer, or just like an answer that jumps to mind, I hadn't really thought about this was, um, there's a game I like to play, especially when I'm getting to know someone like what their interests are and sort of building building trust and building relationship. I call it Switch. And the game is simply that who someone starts and they just tell the other person what they would like to have happen. Uh, and if the other person is into that and wants to do that, then that's, that's what happens. You go right ahead and you do that. Um, if the other person is not into it, they just say switch and then it's their turn to do the issuing of instructions. So obviously this is a game that only works with switches, but um, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it can be really fun and, and you get like a pace um, with the other person. Like initially it's a little like, oh, confused and not sure what to do. Um, but yeah, you find your groove and uh, so someone might stay in the role of the one giving the instructions for really quite some time. I remember once with a partner, uh, we kept this going over the course of, I forget the exact time frame, but I, I want to say like it was at least a month. It might have been three months and it would be happening by text. It would be happening by email. Every time we got together, we'd just like pick up where we left off. Uh, and sometimes you'd be sitting around and you're totally forgotten whose turn it is. So you'd just be like, <laughs> switch, take your clothes off get that flogger <laughs> and then like, yeah, whatever, away you go again. Uh, so yeah, like it's a really nice way of, of building in trust and consent and it takes you to some delicious places. And I know that's not the most adventurous or weird thing uh, that I could give as an answer to that, but hey, that's the answer that came to mind. <laughs> cool. That was it for the questions? That was it for the questions. All right. Well, before we uh, wrap up, Roger, would you be uh, kind enough to let everyone know where they can find you to uh, uh, ask questions about anything we've either talked about or uh, to find out about uh, Curious Creatures. Yes, uh, both are at curiouscreatures.biz, B-I-Z on the end there. And uh, yeah, there's a contact page, so I would welcome any questions uh, that anyone has. Nice. And as always, you can find us on FetLife at Off the Cuffs. You could also reach out to us individually at Dick underscore Wound Minimus underscore Maximus or at Lexual Romance. If you're not on FetLife, you can email us at offthecuffspodcast at gmail.com or give us a call at 631-977-9183. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OCPKink. And if you want to help support us, you can check out the Off the Cuffs page at store.podcastjukebox.org or you could donate to our Patreon page. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash OCPKink. Be sure to check out the sister shows on the Podcast Jukebox Network, Being There, Disability After Dark, Queers Next Door, The Goth Librarian Podcast, Proud to be Kinky, No Love Lost, Drinks with God, and the Will Sean Podcast. And as always, check out some of our deliciously amazing friends shows, The Dildorks, The Bedpost, Hello Aaron, 
and <laughs> risk. Good night. Good night. Lovely hanging out, gang. Good night. How was the loo? <laughs> um, uh, another great installment in a long-term ongoing relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. How, how's, every, how's everyone else's Lou relationships going this morning oh, or the, it's, this evening? It's Great. funny you ask. <laughs> oh, no. I'll, I'll go on. Do oh, I, I want to know? I don't know how much I can talk about some of this right now, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's been there's been all sorts of uh, uh, fun toilety things. I'm sure we're gonna have to do a we're gonna have to do a guestless episode soon, so I can talk about all the fun things that I've been peeing in, and all the fun things that have been being that my tongue has been used for recently. Okay. So yeah, I'll just I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the crew from a podcast called Off the Cuffs. You can find a link to that podcast in the show notes. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures. We run workshops on sexuality, self-development and relationships, and we do this online and around the world. You can find out all about us at curiouscreatures.biz, B-I-Z. The best way to stay in touch with us and find out about what we're doing is to sign up to our mailing list, uh, which you can do via our contact page. And while you're there, you might want to check out our famous consent cards. This episode was mixed by Aman Dembla. Please remember to share it with anyone you think might like it. Thanks. <laughs>